Welcome to Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Connie Whitman. As always, thanks so much for joining us today. Now, I hope as you listen, um, number one, you understand my mission that I'm going to change that word sales to something that's icky, sleazy, and manipulation, right? That we're going to shift it because we're coming from a place of love, care, and respect always. And to help you on your journey, and hopefully your sales journey, your business journey, your career growth journey, whatever you're you're coming from, I just, um, I'm launching my membership site. It's called the All-Star Community. I know that you're an all-star, and my motto in life and business has always been, and it's certainly for the community I'm building, is a rising tide lifts all boats. And that's one of my favorite quotes in life by John F. Kennedy. And I really would love you to join me. Um, The information is in the show notes. If you'd like to be part of my community, I'd love to have you. Now, my quote today to get our minds in the zone of our conversation is by Tim Ferriss, my quote. And he, Tim says, focus on being productive instead of busy. And I really love this quote because as I observe my own productivity challenge, and by the way, we all have them, I realize that most of us spend so much time in meetings discussing what needs to get done versus actually doing what needs to get done, right? The actual work. And this reminded me of a time my husband came home from work. This was before remote, right? We, he was live. And one Friday night, we're having dinner and, and you know, how was your week? You know, kind of debrief with each other. And he said to me, you know, I totaled the number of hours I was in a meeting this week. And I'm like, yeah, and what was it? It was like 37 and a half hours that he was in meetings. So my question was, when do you get the work done? And I think that's a big problem. Um, and his answer was, to me was not really sure, but the work's got to get done. Well, studies have shown that unproductive meetings are one of the greatest forms of waste in business today. Not only do they hamper productivity, but they also drain energy and diminish morale. Because uh, think about it, you're in meetings, you're not getting work done. How frustrating is that? So learn three simple strategies that make um, your meetings effective and engaging. And who's going to share that with us? My amazing guest, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. And Mamie and I are going to discuss how to stop wasting time and draining energy in unproductive meetings. Mamie is the founder of Meteor, the author of Moment, uh, of Moment, creating effective, engaging, and enjoyable meetings. And she also hosts uh, the podcast Modern Manager. Um, Meteor helps people thrive at work through effective collaboration with a special emphasis on effective meetings. So Mamie, thanks for being on the show. And yeah, this is an important topic. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking about meetings, so I'm excited (laughs) to, to share. Okay, so you and I probably both need to get a life, right? <laughs> I love talking about meetings. But can you believe that story with my husband? Honestly, it's not the first time I've heard stories like that. It's really unfortunate how many people feel like their entire week is spent in meetings, even if it's not as bad as 37 and a half hours. Our perception so often is I had no time today because all I did was meetings, even mm-hmm. if it's not fully true. It's tragic, right? Because, and, you know, especially if you're in meetings that it doesn't directly pertain to you, it's like, can you send me the notes later and let me read it at my leisure, you know, just so I'm in the loop of things, but we feel like we need to incorporate everybody sometimes. So first question, why do we have so many terrible meetings? (laughs) Oh, there are like seven answers to this question, right? Like, it's not, it's not so easy. But I will say that there are a couple kind of top reasons. So one is that 
we turn to meetings for things that we don't actually need a meeting for, right? Meetings are just one tool in our collaboration toolbox, mm. but they seem really easy. Like, oh, let's just schedule a meeting. Oh, let's just have a conversation about that. And in actuality, it could just be an email. It could be a Slack message. It could be a voice memo. There's a lot of other alternatives, but we just jump to meetings because they seem faster. They seem easier. They seem like they're going to be the most effective and they're really not. So that's kind of one idea. The second is that we have really poor planning for our meetings and we can go into all kinds of things around how do you plan for a meeting? But the model that we take is a meeting is not an event. It's not just something that's on your calendar that has a start time and an end time. It's actually a cycle. There's a before phase where you're preparing for the meeting, the during phase where you're facilitating and the after phase where you're doing your follow through. And as long as we stay, especially as meeting leaders in this mindset that a meeting is a time where I just show up and I'm ready to go and we forget to do all of the proper preparation, then the meeting is not going to be nearly as effective. We're going to invite the wrong people. We're not going to be able to manage the conversation. We're not going to drive towards an outcome or so many problems because we think we can just show up and have a meeting. And that's just not the case. So I'll stop there. (laughs) How did you, how did you get into this? to become an expert because by the way, oh gosh, this is a needed resource. How the heck did you, did you get here? Yeah, it's a funny windy story. So I went to art school and thought I was going to be an artist and graduated and realized I was not going to be a professional artist and needed a job. And I was lucky enough to get to work in my family business alongside some of our amazing HROD professionals and get to really like learn what it was to be in a, in a corporate environment. And when I eventually left that after a few years, I went into the nonprofit sector and I was like, what just happened? Like we had all these great meetings. Meetings were always effective. There were always notes afterwards. There was always an agenda. And then I suddenly discovered that that was not the case everywhere. I had just taken it for granted that good meetings that were good were happening everywhere and they weren't. And then I started doing a little more exploring and I would talk to people and I would say, tell me about your meetings. And inevitably, someone would say, oh my gosh, can I tell you about this terrible meeting I was at five minutes ago, right? Can I tell you about this horrible meeting that I was in You know, yesterday? My time was wasted. I don't know why I was there. Someone wouldn't shut up. I mean, it's just all the problems were unloading. I was like, whoa, this is, this is not cool. Like, this is not what the work experience should be like. This is not how we should be interacting with our colleagues. This is not a good use of our time and energy. And that just set me down a path to say, this has got to be fixable. If my family business can have good meetings, there should be an easy enough way that all organizations could have good meetings. And that was kind of the beginning of the end. <laughs> Fascinating. It's interesting. My my younger son, he has since now graduated college, but he had an internship and um, at one of my client, my, one of my corporate clients and the person he reported to, she was amazing. And she would bring him, she was also mom, right? She would bring him to meetings and she would say to him, I want you to listen to the meeting. It's because that I want you to tell me who wasn't prepared, who I want you just to observe. And then she says, I know the players, right? She knew the information. She goes, I want to teach you the importance of a meeting and the importance of a good, effective meeting. And so he was like, okay, the first time he came home and I said, and, and he goes, well, after we debriefed mom and <laughs> it was so cute. He said, she was like, so who wasn't prepared? And he goes, well, appear like, what did he know? He was a kid, right? So-and-so wasn't prepared. She goes, that's right. Why didn't you think he was prepared? So she got him thinking about the mechanics of the meeting. Was that not a brilliant lesson for an internship? 
I love that, right? We need more of that. We need more managers to groom and to support and to help our newer employees and interns have the understanding of what makes for a good meeting and to realize that it's not just something that happens by accident. It happens by thoughtful design and intention. And it's funny because whenever she ran the meeting, right. And she, so then she would take him to her meetings that she was running and meetings that she was invited to. Right. And they would, they would allow the interns to come in, of course. So her meetings were 20 minutes to a half hour in and out, get it done. Come and people knew be prepared for her meetings. She went to other meetings. He goes, mom, they were like an hour. It was hard. (laughs) So even a kid understood the difference if you're taught, right? If no one taught him that he would never have even thought about, well, this is a meeting. This is what happens. So I think we almost learned through osmosis, right? Maybe that's, that's really what ends up happening. And we learned those bad behaviors. Totally. And the crazy thing about it is everyone has stories about bad meetings that they've participated in. Almost no one has a story about a bad meeting that they've led, right? As meeting leaders, we are actually responsible for creating the, the right circumstances and the environment for the meeting to be a good meeting. But so infrequently do we pause and say, like, was that valuable for the people that I invited? Like, I think it was a good use of my time. Otherwise, I wouldn't have led the meeting. But it's usually other people's meetings when in reality, like, that's actually all of us. So it's not something that we just pick up so easily through osmosis. It really does have to be an intentional learning it does. of what makes for a good meeting. Yeah. Fascinating. This is fascinating. All right. My next question, what's, because this, this really is the bottom line. My, my husband's story, right. What you're saying, not first time you've heard that type of um, statistic, right. Of I've been in, I've been in meetings 35 hours and when do I get the work done? What's the real cost and impact for these unproductive meetings? Well, there's an online calculator. I can't remember where it's at, but if you just Google, Google a meeting calculator online, you can put in the number of people, the hourly rate, effective hourly rate of each of those people and how many meetings they're in. And you can actually get a dollar amount of what your company is spending on those meetings. And that's kind of one way to measure. Another is to, it's a little less easy to kind of articulate into a number, but you can think about in terms of your turnover, in terms of your overall productivity, right? The opportunity cost of what's not getting done. Absolutely. And when you, when you just take a step back and think about all of those costs, right? And if you even just use yourself as a, as a kind of barometer to say yeah. like, wow, what could I do if I spent 10 less hours a week in meetings? How much more could I get done? How much more effective could I be if I wasn't like so stressed by all of these meetings and like operating at a lower level because my brain has just got too much, Yeah, right? All of those kind of factors are happening for every person in your organization. So if we can free up meeting time and we can reduce stress and we can build engagement, right? As you started, the whole organization gets lifted, right? All of those boats will rise with that tide. I love it. I love that calculator. Wow. What a good exercise. So everybody listening, whether you're a business owner and or a you know a, a corporate person running these meetings, that is a great calculation because now I like quantifying things because we're like, ah, it's an hour of my time. What's the big deal? What is that hour of a time times 10 really costing you or times 40 or whatever it ends up being over a month? 
you know, because we could do it for the week or the day, but then expand that over a month or a year. Those numbers can be tens of thousands, I would think, in, in, in cost or lost of lost um, revenue coming in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mind blowing. Mind blowing. I love a calculator. I'm, I'm a finance person, so I love numbers. <laughs> you speak in my language, maybe you speak in my language. Next question. How do you see meetings change in the future, especially because now we're in this hybrid work model? So what, what are you seeing happening with that? Yeah, there's some cool stuff happening right now with meetings. So first is that meetings are going to be virtual forever. Like I think this idea that we're not that we are, we can kind of say goodbye to these terrible Zoom meetings and we can all be in person. That will happen sometimes. But for the vast majority of organizations, the vast majority of teams, people are going to be working remotely, whether that's because you're actually not co-located anymore or because people want to are going to have work from home days or someone's kid is sick and they're going to stay home. And instead of having to skip the meeting that maybe they did in the past, now they're going to be calling in. So I think we have to just normalize that Hybrid meetings, virtual meetings, they're here to stay. And we need to start really investing in good technology. So good cameras, right? Good meeting screens in our rooms, good um, phones so that if you're in a conference room, you have you could actually hear everybody, right? We need to kind of upgrade because we know that we're going to have virtual meetings at some point. And I'm hopeful that in the future, we'll have even more amazing tools at our disposal, Things like AI, where we can have our little avatars and we put our headsets on and we can actually be engaging and collaborative in these virtual spaces in a totally new way. So there's like the inklings of those things are just coming out, but hopefully in the next couple of years, we'll see a lot more. You know, it's funny before we started recording, right? Maybe I was sharing how when COVID hit, I I had done everything live prior. So And it's funny because I'm new to the game, so to speak, right? This digital world, right? I've I've been in business 20 years, but the the digital stuff, it's it's new for me. And, And it was really quite an education and a learning curve. I'm fascinated by not only learning the stuff, but now all of the um, automation I have and, and how I depend on it. And, and I often think whoever created that was brilliant. <laughs> like, Where did they come up with that idea? So now that we're doing more of this, the quality of cameras, the, the quality of sound, right? We all have O-ring lights to bring the light on us. So we, you know, projects better. All of these things, Things are getting better and better and cheaper and cheaper to buy because right as technology gets perfected, the cost gets lower. So everybody can afford all of the things that you're talking about with the AI, et cetera. It's, 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 it's becoming affordable now. I, it totally is. And more and more collaborative tools that exist online, right? So whiteboarding, it used to be like really clunky and now it's super streamlined and so easy and accessible for everyone to be whiteboarding together within a virtual space or sticky note exercises. That was one of my favorite things to do as a facilitator of meetings. And it was like, oh no, how do we take this really fun physical activity that we were doing, you know, in a room and on a wall and convert it to a digital space? When we first started doing that a couple of years ago, it again was super clunky and not a good experience for most of my participants. And now it's so easy and they're wonderful tools and it's really accessible for everyone. And in some ways it's even better than doing it in person. 
because there's a sense of anonymity that you can create. So if you really want people to share their ideas or share their criticisms of a concept or, you know, get their best thinking out, if you're doing sticky notes and people can read your handwriting and they know which color note you were, it's not quite the same as doing it online where nobody knows what color you are. Nobody knows what your handwriting is because you're all typing. And you can really take advantage of some of the benefits of those online tools. And that, that's such an important concept. And I remember in my corporate days, and even now, still, when I have meetings with my corporate clients, you'll be in a room and you have the talkers and the people who just sit there quietly. And early in my career, I used to think, oh, they're, they're disinterested. Not the case. They're observing. They're listening. They have great ideas, but they're a little bit shyer. They're more introverted. And then you have the talkers in the room who kind of monopolize the airtime, if you will. So they sit quietly and their ideas, their innovations never come, come out because they're afraid. What if they don't like my idea, right? A more introverted personality. So that what you just described, you know, with the sticky notes, right? You're typing it. Nobody knows. Nobody knows it's me and I'm an introvert. It gets ideas out there more, I would think with um, more easily, but with, without the worry of what are they going to think of my idea? Right? Exactly. One of the things that I love training around is that meetings can be for more than just talking, right? Just because we are in person together or virtually meeting, we don't have to just be speaking in our meeting, we can actually do activities and use different kinds of modes to get our thinking out. And there's a ton of benefits to doing that, right? We talked about the anonymity. So that creates a sense of psychological safety that people can really share. Sure. It democratizes the microphone, as you mentioned. So now everyone is actually contributing at the same time. We don't have to take turns anymore because we've now said for five minutes, go ahead, type your answers in. And we've just collected way more than we would ever have been able to get if we were going around one at a time sharing our thinking. And then third, it also gives people time to process and think in different ways. So some people like extroverts are really good at thinking out loud. And that's often why they take so much time with the microphone is because they're actually doing their thinking as they're talking. Whereas for someone who's introverted, they're thinking and processing internally, and then they're going to put out once it's kind of fully formed. Yeah. And by giving people that time and space to do a sticky note exercise or to do a mind mapping exercise or any other kind of engagement, what we're doing is we're giving them the space to think and then contribute without running past them. Because I've heard from introverts as I've talked to people about their meetings that many times by the time they're ready to share, the conversation is already past the point. Yes. And it feels a little like they don't want to now loop it back because it's too late. And, you know, and so now they're just trying to like, ready to the next thing. And so we can use all these different modes of engagement to create more effective, more engaging and more equitable meetings and get better thinking out onto the table. So I, I love it. It's funny too. My VA is in the Philippines, right? My Denise, I love her. I told her she can never leave me, but um, we laugh because I had issues. I had tech issues and I couldn't get, when I do my calendar invite, the zoom used to show up. I could click the zoom link and it would set it up and, and populate for you. The zoom, it went away. I don't know what I did. It was gone. So she talks me through things, but, but I need to see it. I'm a visual 
So I let her share her screen or I share my screen and then she tells me what to do to, to link it, right. Or to connect it. Um, it's so helpful for me because again, I'm visual, but I can actually do it and not say, well, do it for me because I want to learn. I want to understand how, because then you could troubleshoot down the road. Right. So she's always teaching me, but she makes me do it, which again, we can do, even though she's in the Philippines and I'm here because of that screen share uh, capability. Yeah. So it, 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 it takes the angst. I think also, if someone isn't techie by nature, when you show them what you're doing, they're like, Oh my goodness, that's such an easy tool. I wish I had known that sooner. So again, it's sharing in a very, I like the word you used the word safe before it's safe that somebody's not going to go, Connie's an idiot. She doesn't know how to get the zoom back on calendar, right? It's, it's setting the, you know, the extensions and all of that. I don't know. My brain doesn't think that way because I'm on the older side, right? So the younger people, they teach us in these zoom meetings and other meetings, also the technology that we would otherwise be afraid to try because we're unsure we're going to click the wrong thing and make a mess on our computer. Right? So there's so much value. Does this help? Maybe do you find, that this helps with the inclusiveness of the meeting as well? Absolutely. There's a a different atmosphere that's created when there are opportunities for engagement that don't rely on power dynamics. So for example, if you're having a hybrid meeting, so there are some people who are in the room and some people who are joining over, over Zoom or through MS Teams, it's best that each person is sitting with their own laptop so that each person is still an individual box, even though you're all in the room. So you people in the room can be talking like this and also looking into the camera. And that creates a sense of kind of inclusion that everybody is equal. Everybody is a valid participant as opposed to like the one little camera, which is what we all used to do if you were having video meetings, right? One camera up high with this like funny fish angle lens where you're like half looking at people's backs and their faces are so tiny. You can't read their facial expressions. Like that does, that makes the people who are virtually participating feel like they're not really there, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're an afterthought that does not feel inclusive. But if we're all our individual little boxes, then even though sometimes people are looking in different places, right? You still feel like you are part of the meeting in a valuable way. So whether it's your setup of your tech or using activities that allow people who feel maybe a less com- less comfortable or less safe to share, to contribute, right? All of those things that we can do as meeting leaders to set up the, the context can help people feel more included. I love it. The other thing too, before you said you could do, okay, take five minutes and write out whatever, whatever the ob- objective is that we need some input, some strategies, ideas. So everybody take five minutes, write your ideas down before on a whiteboard, what do you do? Take a picture of the whiteboard and say, okay, can somebody transcribe that now where this it's all digitized. We could copy paste it into a document for minute notes or whatever it is. It just simplifies that whole process of sharing after the fact as well. Completely. And that's one of my favorite aspects of meetings that are happening online or even in-person meetings is taking advantage of the fact that we can create the content digitally so that there's no extra work after the meeting. But I cannot tell you how much of my time was spent typing up sticky notes in my like previous work. And it was exhausting and not fun and really not a good use of my time. And the same thing happens with meeting notes. If we're taking meeting notes by hand, then after the meeting, someone's got to type those up and then send them around and 
really, does anybody actually ever type them up? Probably only the A-type personalities, right? The very few people actually type up their meeting notes. It just lives in your notebook and there's no digital record. Yeah. And we can actually get rid of some of those practices. So for example, with, with wrap-ups at the end of the meeting, this is one of my like favorite tips for increasing the productivity of your meeting is just taking your last five minutes and making it a wrap-up. So when you've got five minutes left, you stop the conversation, you bring it to a close and you ask the group, what are the next steps? Who's got tasks? So during the meeting, you can be writing down, making notes for yourself. But in those last five minutes, you open up whatever digital tool you use for storing your meeting notes. So it could be an email, could be a document, could be a meeting specific tool. And you put in your tasks that for the whole meeting. So each person says, well, I'm going to do this or somebody needs to do that. And you assign all those tasks. And then you ask, all right, and what decisions did we make? And you document specifically, this was the decision that we agreed on and include one sentence on why that was the decision. What was the rationale? Because when you send those meeting notes off to somebody who wasn't there and they see the, the decision, if it doesn't have context, it's actually quite hard for them to implement it effectively. So if you can put in one sentence about, this is why we agreed on this decision, it will just give them some context to be able to effectively carry that forward. And then lastly, what should other people know about? Were there any highlights or takeaways or ideas that we want to capture for the future? Anything that needs to go into the notes so we don't forget it or that somebody else who missed the meeting would need to know about. And you literally type it up in the moment. So at the end of the meeting, you click save, you click send, you send it to the people who need to be informed. And there's no more work to do on your end in terms of the informing piece. It is the meeting notes are captured. People who need to know have now been informed. And everybody knows what they're supposed to do after the meeting yeah. from the execution standpoint, who needs to collaborate with who, right? So if you and I in the meeting say, wait, we have to look and work on that after the meeting, let's just stay five minutes and schedule a time where we can focus on whatever that task is, 30 minutes, whatever we need. So again, it's about moving the needle forward from a productivity standpoint. This is brilliant. I am getting, I am getting so many ideas, Mamie, so many ideas. I'm, I am all about productivity. I hate wasting time because it's, it's, it's um, like, I wish I had done that. Right. But oh, I didn't have time to do that. That makes me crazy. When I, when I say that the other thing you said, you know, how sometimes you're in a meeting and somebody says something like, Oh, we should do that next year. Yeah. Yeah. We should. Nobody writes it down six months from now. I say to Mamie, what, remember we said, we're going to do that next year. I do. I don't remember what it was. So when you document it at the end or what are things that we don't want to lose, but we don't need it in the project right now, but it's something that might be next steps three in the next quarter or the next year, mm -hmm. you can put them and have them stored somewhere so we can refer back to them. So we don't lose those great ideas or innovations that are coming out of the meetings too. Right. Exactly. Right. Like if you just make a practice of, you know, once a quarter going back and skimming, or if you're using a good digital tool, you can actually search and it'll pull up your content from different meetings to be able to see, oh, that was a good idea. You know, what was relevant to this? Mm -hmm. But I got to tell you, I've heard stories of the opposite happening. So it's not just the, we should do this thing next year or, or someone should do this. And then it goes nowhere. Also the opposite has happened where, especially if you're the boss, we'll say like, you know, it'd be great if, you know, we started, you know, reaching out to, to other uh, industries and, and, you know, learning about X, Y, or Z. And they don't actually mean that someone should go and do that. But somebody in the meeting hears the boss say that and goes, 
well, someone's got to do that thing. So I'm going to start doing that. And the, the one real life example that I just think is absolutely hilarious on this front is that a, there was a meeting and the boss said, you know, do we have the entire year's, you know, uh, financials and kind of key, key activities in one place. And the team was like, no, like it's all, we have quarterly documents and we kind of have like a high level thing. And he was like, you know, it'd be really nice if we just had it all in one place. And, you know, to just, so it would always just be in one place. And he didn't really mean that he wanted someone to go do that. He was just kind of saying that like, you know, it would be really nice if we had this thing. Well, the team interpreted that as we need to start doing this. And so they were spending hours compiling, reorganizing, trying to put together all these materials. And one day, and, and this was before everything was digital. And so one day the boss was like, what are all these folders stacked here on my bookshelf? And they're like, oh, those are the, the compiled annual reports that you wanted. He's like, what are you talking about? And it turns out that for like four years, the team at the end, like in the beginning of January every year was compiling these huge annual reports, putting them into little half-inch binders. So I guess they couldn't have been that big, but putting them into binders and putting them on the guy's desk. And the guy was just like, I don't know what this is. And he was sticking it on his shelf. And no one ever looked at it. And the team was agonizing over this. And, he, and they were like, so he asked them, why, why are you doing this? Why are you making these reports? And they said, well, you asked us to. And he's like, no, I didn't, right? It's those kinds of things that happen that are a huge waste of time and a waste of energy. So if we are not clear in our meetings about what are the actual next steps versus what are the nice to haves or hypothetical next steps yeah. versus what are the things that we want to revisit in the future and just not for now, We can end up wasting a lot of time and losing a lot of good ideas. Yeah. You know, again, clarity. (laughs) We as I teach communication, right? Maybe the clarity or lack of clarity that you think people under, you think people understand what you're saying, thinking or assuming, you know, assuming, right? Not a good thing. We really have to have clarity in these conversations. So I love that wrap up that last five minutes where we kind of ground everything that we just talked about with next steps. What are we what are we putting on the shelf and parking? Maybe it'll come and then we could search it later on. But nobody's doing anything with it right now. Again, it just creates more clarity with the conversation by having these things documented um, plus giving everybody a voice. I love that with the inclusiveness, right? Um, exactly. And your recommendation, even though you're, you're physically in the, you're in the, you're in the boardroom, which is great, but having your own computer because everybody has a computer now because of COVID. Yes. Right. Yeah. So um, a lot of people couldn't find computers initially when COVID first hit, but everybody ordered them. Everybody has a laptop now. Everybody has a, you know, you could buy a laptop without a camera. Now we all have cameras on our laptops. Yeah. So really go- gone through this evolution because of COVID. Now, listen, COVID, you know, it's still happening, but you know what I'm saying? People were dying initially. Yeah. It was tragic. But what we've learned from, from an industry, a business perspective, it's really, it really has created some useful tools. It's remarkable. I agree, Connie. Yeah. Any last words before we end uh, today? Yeah, I have to share like the number one thing I tell teams to do to have more effective meetings. So if, if you're listening and you remember nothing else from this, remember this one thing, right? And we call it the desired outcome. That when you are planning a meeting, the first thing you need to do is figure out what is this meeting going to accomplish? And it's not an activity, right? This meeting is not meant to accomplish discussing 
or brainstorming or reviewing or checking in. Those are great activities, but they're not what's going to be accomplished. Mm. So you have to figure out what is the, we call it, it's like the noun, right? What's the thing that you're going to have at the end of the meeting? And if you start to switch your mind to, to fill in the blank, at the end of the meeting, we will have a list of ideas to explore. We will have a recommendation to serve up to the committee. We will have alignment on this like really con- complex situation that we're struggling with. We'll have a solution to this problem. And if you can focus and rethink of, and kind of shift your mind, because it's a little bit of a, a weird thing, but if you can fill in that blank, at the end of the meeting, we will have what? And have an outcome. Now you can design your entire meeting around that outcome. You know, who do I need to have in the room in order to achieve that outcome? Great. What do we need to do? What do we need to talk about? And what are the right activities to get to that outcome? How can people prepare for the meeting, right? It's going full circle to like making sure people are prepared. What can I provide for them or what instructions can I give them so that they're ready to come into that meeting to drive to that outcome? And there, there's a whole lot more, but desired outcome is really the number one thing. And if you can't think of a good desired outcome, you probably don't need to have a meeting, right? right. And, if, and if your only desired outcome is that at the end of the meeting, everybody's going to be informed of this information, you don't need to have a meeting. No. You can send a memo, right? Write in an email, record yourself on video. The only time you should be having meetings that are informational is when it's a sensitive or complex subject or it's a relationship that's involved right and it's really about like maintaining the humanity brilliant so they could have just listened to the last part of the show right then (laughs) here's the thing this is this is really such an important topic um you know, and it, it's an important conversation that we really need to have. And we, we need to start shifting the way we approach meetings because now we have so many more tools at our, our fingertips, literally, um, that can impact the results and get us out of the meetings and really getting the pro- productivity up. So great tips at the end. Thank you so much. Guys, listen, uh, Jamie, uh, Jamie, Mamie has a, uh, uh, Mamie has a website, go to meteor.com and it's M E E T get it. Meet M E E T. I thought it was cute when I saw it. So I had to just share my, my humor, right. That I, I, I picked up the, um, the pun within it, right? M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. I will post it in the show notes. Um, Mimi, thank you so much for being on and sharing your truly, your zone of genius that I think is, is even more necessary than it's ever been. Probably because of the hybrid situation, I find that a lot of my clients are struggling with how do we make everybody feel part of it? The meetings today, you're scheduled to be home, right? Because they can't have everybody in the office or whatever, right? Whatever the, the, their um, situation is. So I think this was, this was a really important conversation. So thank you so much for being on. Thanks so much, Connie. I really enjoyed this. Yes, that was great. And I hope you will all join me weekly as we question, build and discover together that no matter where you are in changing your sales game, my guests and I really do have your back. And, you know, I say this at the end, maybe of every, every show, I know they're all sick of hearing me say it, but information is a beautiful thing. But if you do nothing with it, it's simply that information. When you take the information, some of the ideas and strategies that Mamie shared with us today, 
watch the impact on your time, watch the impact on your productivity, but you have to do something differently. Take the tips and strategies and apply them in your real life, in your real business, in your real meetings, whatever it is, and watch the magic that happens, right? The application is where we create magic. So again, thank you so much uh, for being on. You've been listening to Changing the Sales Game with me, your host, Connie Whitman on webtalkradio.net. I truly am inspired to have you all on that you join this journey with me on the show. And I do hope you always find value in listening to my guests and I and our tips and strategies. And I will see you all next week. Have a great one. Thanks. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow. Follow.